0: This is a reading of Nicomachean Ethics by Aristotle. Read by Momus Najmi. Nicomachean Ethics, Book 6, Chapter 1. Now, since what we said earlier is
1: that one ought to choose the mean and not the axis of deficiency. And the mean as right reason says. Let us explicate this. For in all the active conditions of the soul described, as also with all others, there is some target to which the one who has a rational understanding looks off as he tightens or loosens his grip. And there is some boundary marking the mean conditions, which we claim are between an axis and a deficiency, a boundary in accord with right reason. But while speaking this way is truthful, there is nothing clear in it, for in all other pursuits about which there is knowledge it is true to say this, that one ought not to bear down or let up too much or too little, but the mean amounts and according to right reason. But having this understanding alone, one would know nothing more, as if someone were to say that one ought to apply to the body whatever the medical art calls for, and in the way the one who has it says. Hence it is necessary in connection with the active conditions of the soul as well, not only that this be said truly, but also that it be determined what the right understanding is. And what defines this? Now we claim that the virtues of the soul Are distinguished into those that belong to character And those that belong to thinking We have gone through what concerns the virtues of character But in connection with the rest Let us discuss them after speaking first about the soul Now it was said before that there are two parts of the soul the part that has reason and the irrational part but now one must make a division in the same way concerning the part that has reason let two parts that have reason be assumed one part by which we contemplate the sorts of beings of which the governing principles are incapable of being other than they are and one part by which we contemplate things capable of being otherwise. For in relation to things different in kind, that which, among the parts of the soul, is by nature related to each, is also different in kind, if recognition is present in the parts of the soul by some sort of likeness and kinship.
0: Let one of these be called the knowing part and the other the calculating part. Since
1: deliberating and calculating are the same and no one deliberates about things that are incapable of being otherwise, so that what calculates is one particular part of that in the soul which has reason. Therefore one must grasp the best active condition of each of these parts.
0: Since that is the virtue of each And the virtue of a thing Is related to its particular work Chapter 2 Now there are three things in the soul That govern
1: action and truth Sense perception Intellect And desire Of these Sense perception is a source of no action and this is clear since animals have sense perception but do not share in action. An action is chosen and presupposes deliberation and forethought. Everything an animal does is guided by sensory imagination. But what affirming and denying are in thinking? pursuing and avoiding are in desiring. So that, since virtue of character is an active condition of the soul that determines choice, while choice is deliberate desire, for these reasons, then rational understanding must be true and the desire right if the choice is of serious worth. And what the one affirms, the other pursues. Now this is the sort of thinking and truth that pertains to action. In thinking that is contemplative and not pertaining to action or to making anything, truth and falsity mark it as working well or badly, since this is the work of the whole thinking activity. But of the activity of thinking that pertains to action, what marks it? as working well is truth that stands in agreement with right desire. The source of action then is choice, the origin of motion rather than the cause for the sake of which it takes place, while the source of choice is desire combined with the rational understanding, which is for the sake of something. Hence there is no choice without intellect, and thinking, or without an active condition of character, since in action there is no such thing as doing well or the opposite without thinking and character. Thinking itself moves nothing, but thinking that is for the sake of something and pertains to action does cause motion, for that is also what originates the capacity to make something since one who makes something always makes it for the sake of something. And the thing made is not simply an end, but it is relative to something and aims at something, though a thing done is. For good action is an end, and desire aims at this. For this reason, choice is either intellect fused with desire Or desire fused with thinking. And such a source is a human being. And nothing that has happened is chosen. For instance, no one chooses for Troy to have been sacked, since one deliberates not about what has been, but about what is going to be and is possible. And what has happened is not capable of not having happened. So, Agathon. Rightly says, of this power alone is even a God deprived, to make undone whatever has been done. Truth, then, is the work of both of the thinking parts of the soul. So those active conditions by which each of them will most of all disclose truth are the virtues that belong to them jointly. Truth, then, is the work of both of the thinking parts of the soul. So those active conditions, by which each of them will most of all disclose truth, are the virtues
0: that belong to them jointly. Chapter 3 So let us speak about them, starting anew from a higher
1: standpoint. Let those powers, with which the soul discloses truth by affirming and denying be five in number.
0: And these are art, knowledge, practical judgment, wisdom and intellect. For in
1: conceiving something or in an opinion it is possible to falsify things. Now what knowledge is will be evident from the following if one is to speak precisely, and not to go by things that resemble it. We all assume that what we know is not capable of being otherwise, and with things that are capable of being otherwise, whenever they occur outside our view, it escapes our notice whether they are or not. Therefore a thing that is known is by necessity, and therefore it is everlasting since all things that are simply by necessity are everlasting, and everlasting things are ungenerated and indestructible. Also all knowledge seems to be teachable, and what is known is learnable. But all teaching comes from things that are already discerned. As we say also in the writings on logic, since teaching takes place either by means of examples or by deductive reasoning. An example is, in fact, a source of something universal, while deductive reasoning is from things that are universal. Therefore, there are sources from which deductive reasoning proceeds, of which there is no deduction, and therefore what makes them known are examples. Therefore, knowledge is an active condition of the soul that governs demonstration with as many other additional distinctions as we made in the logical writings. For whenever someone is convinced of something in a certain way and the sources of it are evident to one, one knows it. For if the sources of the conclusion are not more evident than it is, one will have knowledge only incidentally. So let what concerns
0: knowledge be marked off in this way. Chapter 4 Among things that are capable of being otherwise, there is something that is made
1: and also something that is done. But making and action are different and we are convinced of this about them even by popular writings. And so the active condition involving reason that governs action is also different from the active condition involving reason that governs making. Hence, too, neither of them is included by the other, since action is not a kind of making and making is not a kind of action. And since house building, is a particular art and as such is a particular active condition involving reason that governs making. And nothing is an art that is not an active condition involving reason that governs making. Nor is there any such condition that is not an art. An art would be the same thing as an active condition involving a true rational understanding that governs making. All art is concerned with the process of coming into being and to practice an art is also to consider how something capable of being or not being and of which the source is in the one who makes it and not in the thing that is made may come into being. For art is not concerned with things that either are or come into being by necessity Or with things that are by nature. Since those things have their sources in themselves. But since making and action are different. Necessarily art has to do with making. And not with action. And in a certain way chance and art are concerned with the same things. As Agathon also says. Art loves chance. And chance loves art. Art then, as was said, is an active condition involving a true rational understanding that governs making. An inartfulness and inartfulness on the contrary is an active condition involving a false rational understanding that governs making. CONCERNED
0: WITH WHAT IS CAPABLE OF BEING OTHERWISE. CHAPTER 5 CONCERNING PRACTICAL JUDGEMENT The way we might get
1: hold of it is by considering whom we speak of as people with practical judgment. And it seems, then, to belong to someone with practical judgment to be able to deliberate beautifully about things that are good and advantageous for himself, not in part such as the sort of things that are conducive to health or to strength, but the sort of things that are conducive to living well as a whole. A sign of this is that we also speak of people as having practical judgment, concerning some particular thing when they calculate well with a view to some particular serious end, among those about which there is no art. And so also generally, someone who is apt at deliberating would be possessed of practical judgment, but no one deliberates about things that are incapable of being otherwise nor about things he himself is not able to do. So if knowledge involves a demonstration of things, the sources of which are incapable of being otherwise, while there is no demonstration of these things we are speaking of, since all of them are capable of being otherwise, and there is no deliberating about things that are by necessity, then practical judgment would not be either knowledge or art not knowledge because a thing done is capable of being otherwise, and not art because action and making are different in kind. It remains therefore, that it is a truth-disclosing, active condition, involving reason that governs action, concerned with what is good and bad for a human being. For the end of making is different from itself, but the end of action could not be since acting well is itself the end it is for this reason that we believe that pericles and people of that sort are possessed of practical judgment because they are able to see what is good for themselves and for human beings and we regard those who manage households and handle political affairs as having such a capacity during the period between the persian and um, peloponnesian wars Pericles emerged as the dominant figure in Athenian political life. Thucydides says that the Athenian democracy under Pericles was in fact an aristocracy of one, and describes the chaotic rivalries of lesser men after his death that led to Athens' ruin. But there are also suggestions in Thucydides' a presentation of him. Pericles encouraged the greed for material things and lust for power that brought about that ruin. In the Platonic dialogues there is a similarly ambivalent presentation of Pericles, as a political man guided by a deeper philosophic education, but also as one of those who who led Athenians to think there was such a thing as greatness without virtue. For the same reason we give temperance its name, as that which preserves practical judgment. And it does preserve this sort of judgment, since it is not every sort of judgment that pleasure and pain destroy and warp, such as that a triangle does or does not have a sum of two right angles, but the judgments that concern action. For the sources of actions are the ends for the sake of which the actions take place. But to someone disabled by pleasure or pain, the source immediately ceases to be apparent and it does not seem to him that he needs to choose and to do everything for the sake of this end, since vice is destructive of the source. So necessarily, practical judgment is a truth-disclosing active condition, involving reason about human goods that governs action. But while there is a virtue that belongs to art, there is none that belongs to practical judgment, and in art someone who makes an error willingly is preferable while in connection with practical judgment this is worse, as it is in connection with the virtues. It is clear then that practical judgment is a virtue and that art is not. But since there are two parts of the soul that have reason, this would be the virtue of one of them, the part that forms opinions, since both opinion and practical judgment concern what is capable of being otherwise. But practical judgment is an active condition involving not just reason. A sign of this is that forgetfulness occurs in that sort
0: of active condition. But there is no forgetting of practical judgment. Chapter 6 But since knowledge is a kind of judgment that
1: concerns things that are universal and by necessity, while things that are demonstrated and all knowledge have sources, since knowledge involves reason. It could not be knowledge or art or practical judgment that gets hold of the source of what is known, since what is known is demonstrated, while the latter too have to do with things that are capable of being otherwise. And so wisdom is not directed at these sources either, since it belongs to one who is wise to have a demonstration of some things. So if those conditions by which we disclose truth and are never in error about things that either are not or are capable of being otherwise, are knowledge, practical judgment, wisdom and intellect, and it cannot be any of three of these, the three I mean being practical judgment, knowledge and wisdom, it remains for
0: intellect to be directed at the sources. Chapter 7
1: Wisdom in the Arts we ascribe to those who are the most precise at the arts. For instance, to Phidias as a wise sculptor and to Polyclitus as a wise portrait sculptor, meaning by wisdom here. Nothing other than excellence at the art. But we believe that there are some people who are wise wholly and not in part. Not wise in some other respect, as Homer says in Margites. The gods made him neither a ditch digger nor a ploughman, nor wise in any other respect. So it is clear that wisdom would be the most precise kind of knowledge. Therefore, a wise person needs not only to know the things that follow from the sources, but to discern truly what concerns the sources. So, wisdom would consist of intellect and knowledge, a knowledge with its head on, as it were, knowing what is most highly honored. For it is absurd for anyone to believe that politics or practical judgment is the most serious kind of knowledge, if a human being is not the highest thing in the cosmos. So if what is healthful or good is something different for human beings and for fish, while what is white or straight is always the same thing, then also all would call the same thing wise, while what is in accord with practical judgment would differ, for in each kind. One says that what discerns, well, the things that concern itself, is possessed of practical judgment, and would turn those things over to that one. This is why people also speak of some animals as being possessed of practical judgment, the ones that manifestly have a capacity for foresight about their own lives. And it is also clear that wisdom and the political art could not For if people were to say that the art that has to do with the things that are beneficial to themselves is wisdom, there would be many sorts of wisdom. For there is not one art concerned with the good of all living things, but a different one concerned with each kind, unless there is one medical art concerning all the things they are. And if it is, The case that a human being is the best in comparison to the other animals, that makes no difference, for there are also other things that are much more divine in their nature than a human being, such as, most visibly, the things out of which the cosmos is composed. So from what has been said, it is clear that wisdom consists of both knowledge and intellect directed at the things that are most honourable in their nature. This is why people say of Anaxagoras and Thales and others of their sort that they are wise but not possessed of practical judgement when they see them being ignorant of what is advantageous to themselves and say that they know things that are exceptional and wondrous and difficult and miraculous, but useless, because they do not inquire about human goods. But practical judgment is concerned with human things and things about which it is possible to deliberate. For we say that this work belongs to the person of practical judgment most of all, to deliberate well. But no one deliberates about things incapable of being otherwise nor about variable things among which there is not some end, and that end a good achieved by action. And one who is a good deliberator simply is someone who, by his reasoning, is apt to hit upon what is best for a human being among actions. And practical judgment is not only about what is universal, but needs to discern the particulars as well since it has to do with action, and action is concerned with particulars. This is also why some people who do not have knowledge, and among others those who have experience, are more adept at action than others who do have knowledge. For if someone knows that light meats are easily digested and healthful, but is ignorant of which meats are light, he will not produce health but someone who knows that poultry is light and healthful will produce it more. Practical judgment is concerned with action, so that it needs to have both universals and particulars, or more
0: so the latter. But even here, there must be some overarching art. Chapter 8 In fact,
1: the political art is the same active condition as practical judgement, though what it is to be each of them is not the same. As applied to the city, practical judgement in the overarching sense is the art of law making, while in the sense having to do with particulars, it has the common name politics and this governs actions and deliberation, since a decree is an action to be performed as an ultimate particular thing, and this is why people speak of only those of the latter sort as being political, since they alone act, as if they were hands-on craftsmen. Also, practical judgement seems to people to be especially concerned with oneself as one person, And this gets uh, the common name of practical judgment, while other sorts are called household management, law-making or politics. And within the latter, one sort of deliberative and the other judicial. Now knowing what pertains to oneself is a species of knowing, but there is much difference within the genus. And someone who knows and devotes his time to things that concern himself seems to be possessed of practical judgement. While political people seem to be busybodies. And so Euripides writes, How can I have good judgement when I had the chance to be numbered quietly among the many in the ranks, taking an equal part? For people who go beyond doing something more. For people seek their own good and believe they ought to do this, and the idea that these are the ones who have practical judgement is taken from this opinion. And yet presumably it is impossible to seek one's own well-being without household management or the political art. Also, how one ought to manage one's own concerns is unclear And needs to be examined. A sign of what is being said is why young people become skilled geometricians and mathematicians and wise in respect to such things, but they do not seem to become possessed of practical judgment. And the reason is that practical judgment has to do with particulars, which become known by experience. But the young are not experienced, since it is length of time that produces experience. And then one might consider this, why it is that a child might become a mathematician but not wise or knowledgeable about nature. It is not because things of the one sort come from abstraction, while the sources of things of the other sort come from experience. The young are not convinced of the latter, but talk about them. But what the former things are is not unclear also error in deliberating concerns either the universal or the particular. One may err either in thinking that all heavy water is bad to drink, or that water is heavy. And it is clear that practical judgement is not knowledge, for it is directed at an ultimate particular, as was said, since the action to be performed is a thing of that sort. So, it is at the opposite extreme from the intellect. For intellect is directed at ultimate terms of which there is no articulation, while practical judgment is directed at the ultimate particular of which there is no knowledge but only perception. Not the perception of the separate senses, but the sort by which we perceive that the ultimate figure in mathematics is a triangle. Since there too there, will be a stop. But this is perceiving more than practical judgment is. A different form of it belongs to the latter. Chapter 9. Inquiring and deliberating are different, since deliberating is a certain kind of inquiring. Now one ought to get an understanding about skilled deliberation, of what it is, whether it is a kind of knowledge, or opinion or skill in guessing or something of another kind. But it is not knowledge, since people do not inquire after things they know. But skill deliberation is a kind of deliberation, and someone who deliberates inquires and calculates. And it is not skill in guessing either, since this is without a reasoned account and is something quick. While people deliberate for a long time, and say then one ought to be quick to do what has been deliberated, but to deliberate slowly. So too intellectual imagination and skill deliberation are different, since intellectual imagination is a kind of skill in guessing. But neither is skilled deliberation any sort of opinion. But since the one who deliberates badly errs, while the one who deliberates well does so rightly, it is clear that skilled deliberation is some sort of rightness. Though belonging to neither knowledge nor opinion, for there is no rightness of knowledge, since there is no error in it either, while rightness of opinion is truth, at the same time, everything about which there is an opinion has already been determined. But surely skilled deliberation is not without a reason account. Therefore, what remains is that it belongs to thinking things through. For this is not yet an assertion. Since opinion is not a process of inquiring, but already a certain kind of assertion. While the one who deliberates, whether he deliberates well or badly, inquires after and calculates about something. But skilled deliberation is a certain kind of rightness of deliberation. So the first things to be sought are what deliberation is and what it is about. But since rightness has more than one meaning, it is clear that skilled deliberation is not rightness in every sense. For someone who lacks self-restraint or someone of bad character will, as a result of reasoning, hit upon what he proposes that he ought to do, so that he will have deliberated rightly despite the fact that he gets something extremely bad. But deliberating well seems to be something good. For skilled deliberation is a sort of rightness of deliberation that governs attaining something good. But it is possible to hit upon even this by false reasoning, and to hit upon what one ought to do, but not by the means one ought, because the middle term is wrong. So, not even this process by which one hits upon the thing one ought to do, though not by the means one ought to have used, is skilled deliberation yet. Also it is possible by deliberating for a long time to hit upon what someone else arrives at quickly. Accordingly, the former is still not skilled deliberation, which is a rightness that results from what is beneficial in the end for which the means by which and the time in which it ought to occur. Also, it is possible for something to be deliberated well either simply or in relation to some end. But skilled deliberation in the simple sense is what gets things right, in relation to what is the end simply, while a certain variety of it does so in relation to some particular end. So if deliberating well belongs to people with practical judgment, skill deliberation would be rightness in accord with what is advantageous in relation to the end. And practical judgment is a true conception of this. Chapter 10 There is also astuteness or quick comprehension in accordance with which we call people astute or quick-witted, which is not in general the same thing as knowledge or as opinion, for then everyone would be astute, nor is it any of the partial kinds of knowledge, such as medicine concerning what is healthy or geometry concerning magnitudes. For astuteness is not concerned with the things that always are and are unchanging, nor with any and everything that comes into being, but concerns the things about which one might be at an impasse and might deliberate. Hence it is concerned with the same things as practical judgment. But astuteness is not the same thing as practical judgment, for practical judgment is something that imposes obligations, since the end that belongs to it is what one ought or ought not to do. While astuteness is only something that makes distinctions. For astuteness is the same thing as quick comprehension, and astute people are the same as those who are quick with it. And astuteness is neither the having nor the acquiring of practical judgment, but just as the act of learning is called understanding when one is using rather than acquiring knowledge, in this way astuteness consists in using opinion for distinguishing those things that practical judgement concerns, when someone else speaks about them, and distinguishing them beautifully, since the quickly of quick comprehension is the same as beautifully. And the word for comprehension, as in naming people of quick comprehension, comes from comprehending involved in learning. For we often speak of learning when we mean comprehending. Chapter 11 What is called thoughtfulness, in accordance with which we speak of people as compassionate and as being thoughtful, is a right discrimination of what is decent. A sign of this is that we say that a decent person is especially apt to be compassionate, and that having compassion about some matters is a decent thing. And compassion is a kind of thoughtfulness that governs a right discrimination of what is decent. Right meaning that it is of what is truly decent. And it is reasonable that all these active conditions of the soul converge to the same meaning. For in applying thoughtfulness and astuteness and practical judgment and intellect to the same people, We are saying that they already have thoughtfulness and intellect and are possessed of practical judgment and astute. For all these capacities are directed at things that are ultimate and particular and someone is astute and considerate or compassionate in being able to discern those things a person of practical judgment is concerned with since what is decent belongs in common to all good people in the way they act toward another person while all actions are among things that are particular and ultimate for the person of practical judgment needs to discern these things and astuteness and thoughtfulness have to do with actions which are ultimate an intellect is directed at what is ultimate on both sides since it is intellect and not reason that is directed at both the first terms and the ultimate particulars on the one side at the changeless first terms is demonstrations, and on the other side in thinking about action at the other sort of premise, the variable ultimate particular for these particulars are the sources from which one discerns that for the sake of which an action is, since the universals are derived from the particulars. Hence intellect is both a beginning and an end, since the demonstrations that are derived from these particulars are also about these. And of these, one must have a perception, and this perception is intellect. This is why these capacities seem to be natural, and while no one is wise by nature, it seems that one has thoughtfulness and astuteness and intellect by nature. And a sign of this is that we believe that they come along with certain times of life. And this particular time of life includes intellect and thoughtfulness, as though nature was the cause. So one ought to pay attention to the undemonstrated statements and opinions of people who are experienced or old, or of people with practical judgment, no less than to the things they demonstrate. For having an eye sharpened by experience, they see rightly. What, then, practical judgment and wisdom are, and exactly what each is concerned with, and that each is
0: the virtue of a different part of the soul, have been said. Chapter 12. But one might raise an impasse about how these virtues are
1: useful. For wisdom, contemplates nothing by which a human being will be happy, since it is not directed at any form of coming into being. And while practical judgment is that way, for the sake of what does one need it. Even if practical judgment is concerned with things that are just and beautiful and good for a human being, these are the things that it belongs to a good man to do and we are no more able to perform these actions by knowing about them. If indeed the virtues are active conditions of the soul, it is just as it is with things that are said to belong to health and to being in good shape, not in the sense of producing those states, but the things that result from one's active condition. For we are no more able to do those things by having the arts of medicine and gymnastic training. And if, what is to be said is that one has practical judgement, not for the sake of these acts that result from one's active condition, but for the sake of the coming into being of that active condition, it would be of no use to people who are of serious moral stature. But it also would be of no use to people who are not that way since it makes no difference whether they have practical judgment themselves or heed the advice of others who have it. It would be sufficient for us to do as we also do concerning health, for we want to be healthy, but we still do not learn the medical art. What's more, it would seem to be absurd if something that is inferior to wisdom were to be in control over it since whatever produces each thing governs it and gives order about it. So one must speak about these things, since at this point the only thing that has been done about them is to make an impasse out of them. First then, let us assert that it is necessary for them to be choice-worthy in themselves, since each of them is a virtue Of its respective part. Of the soul. Even if neither of them produces anything at all. And in the next place. They do produce something. Not in the way that the medical art produces health. But in the way that health produces health. That is the way wisdom produces happiness. Since by being part of complete virtue. It makes someone happy by being possessed and being at work. And the work of a human being is accomplished as a result of practical judgment and of virtue of character. Since virtue makes the end on which one sets one's sights right and practical judgment makes the things related to it right. Of the fourth part of the soul, the nutritive part, there is no virtue of such a kind since acting or not acting is not up to it. As for one's not being any more able to do what is beautiful and just by means of practical judgment, one must begin from a standpoint a little higher, taking the following as a start. Just as we speak of some of those who do just things as still not being just people, such as those who do the things that are prescribed by the laws either unwillingly or through ignorance, or for some other reason and not for their own sake, even though they do what one ought and everything a person of serious moral stature would be moved to do. In this sense, as it seems, it is possible to perform each action in such a way as to be good, and the sort of way I mean is by choice and for the sake of the actions themselves. Now virtue makes a choice right, but the being done of everything that is naturally for the sake of that choice results not from virtue of character, but from some other capacity. But it is necessary to say something for those who want to get a clearer understanding of these things. Now there is a capacity which people call cleverness, And this is such as to enable one to do the things that are conducive to the object one has set down, and to achieve it. So if one's object is something beautiful, this capacity is to be praised. But if it is base, it is shamelessness. Hence we even call people with practical judgment clever and shameless. But practical judgment is not this capacity though it is not present without this capacity. But that eye of the soul does not develop its active condition without virtue, as was said and as is clear. For demonstrative reasoning about things to be done has a starting point. Since such and such is the end and the best thing, whatsoever it may be, for let it be some chance thing, For the sake of argument. And this does not show itself except to a good person, for vice warps someone and makes one be wrong about the sources that govern action.
0: So it is clear that it is impossible to be possessed of practical judgment without being good. Chapter 13. And one must also examine
1: again what has to do with virtue, since virtue too is in much the same situation that practical judgement is in as compared to cleverness. Not the same as it, but similar to it, and that is the way natural virtue is related to virtue in the governing sense. For it seems to everyone that each of the types of character is present in some way by nature, since we are just or inclined to be temperate or brave, and have the other kinds of character straight from birth. However, we still look for something different that is good in the governing sense, and for such conditions to be present in another way. For the natural sorts of active conditions, belong even to children and animals, but without intelligence, these conditions are obviously capable of doing harm. This much anyway is likely to be observed, that just as it goes along with a strong body without sight to fall forcibly because of not having sight, so too is it here. But if one gains intelligence, it carries over into action and the active condition that resembles a virtue will then be a virtue in the governing sense. So just as there are two forms present in the part of the soul that forms opinions, cleverness and practical judgment, so too are there two forms in the part that has to do with character, one of them natural virtue and the other virtue in the governing sense, and of these the governing sort does not come about without practical judgment. It is for this reason that some people say that all virtues are forms of wise judgment, and the way Socrates used to look for virtue was in one sense right, though in another sense he was in error. For he erred in thinking that all virtues are forms of wise judgment. But he asserted beautifully that there is no virtue without wise judgment. A sign of this is that even now all people, when they define virtue after stating the sort of active condition it is and what things it is related to, add in accordance with right reason. And what is right is what is in accord with practical judgment. So it seems that everyone divines that virtue is this sort of active condition, one that is in accord with practical judgment. But this needs to be changed a little for virtue is not just an active condition in accord with right reason but one that involves right reason and practical judgment is right reason concerning such matters. So Socrates believed that the virtues are reasoned accounts for he believed them all to be kinds of knowledge but we believe they involve reason. It is clear from what has been said then that it is not possible to be good in governing sense without practical judgment, nor to have practical judgment without virtue of character. This might also refute the argument by which someone could make the case that the virtues are separated from one another. For the same person is not the most well-favored by nature for all things, so that he will have acquired one virtue already when he has not yet acquired another. For this is possible with natural virtues, but with those by which one is called good simply, it is not possible, since all virtues will be present together when the one virtue, practical judgment, is present. And it is clear that even if it did not govern action, there would be need of practical judgment because it is the virtue of a part of the soul but also that choice will not be right without practical judgment or without virtue, since the latter makes one bring the end into action, and the former makes one enact the things related to the end. But even so, it is not the case that practical judgment is in authority over wisdom, or it is not the case that practical judgment is in authority over wisdom, or over the better part of the soul. Just as the medical art is not in authority over health, for medicine does not make use of health, but sees how it may come about, and then it gives orders for the sake of health, not to health. It would be similar if someone were to say that politics rules the gods
0: because it gives orders about everything in the city. And Of book six.